It is good to look out and see you this morning and to celebrate this great day with you. Let's look at 2 Timothy, verses uh, 1 through five, 3 through 5. It says, I thank God whom I serve as my forefathers did with a clear conscience as night and day I remember you in my prayers. He's addressing this to Timothy. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. Join me in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. and Lord, I thank you for just how down-to-earth and real your word is as we think about our mothers and grandmothers and all the women in our lives that have influenced us and we read these scriptures about Timothy who was taught the scriptures by his grandmother and mother. Father, thank you for your word and thank you for uniting with us and I ask that you would open each and every heart and mind that you would be able to just completely infill us and dwell us, speak to us, and open your word to us. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today, uh, we're all aware what day it is. I don't know how any of us could miss it, but that's good. Uh, I was thinking, and you've probably heard this before, about where Mother's Day come from. Some version of Mother's Day is celebrated on virtually around the world. And on different times, I read, I think in Thailand, they do it in August in conjunction with one of their other holidays, but it's, it's a popular observance. Here in America, the Anna Jarvis is credited with having started Mother's Day, and she did it in honor of her mother, and her mother was one who in West Virginia had started Mother's Day workshops and she would gather in young women to help teach them and train them of how to be a good mother, how to take care of their homes. And so years later, her daughter, who never married, never had children, really petitioned and drove the concept of having a Mother's Day and she started it in a Methodist church in 1908. And in 1914, Wood, Woodrow Wilson enacted it into legislation to celebrate Mother's Day as a national holiday on the second Sunday of May each year. So a little over 100 years ago. But certainly, mothers have been celebrated throughout history and appreciated and loved and, and embraced. And we celebrate our mothers, but one of the things that we've done more broadly is to recognize the impact all women have on our lives. Your nurturing uh, attitude, your correction, your chastisement, your admonishment, your love, your support. Even if you're not our mother, you have that influence on us and we appreciate it. In our passage today, we read of the influence Timothy's grandmother, Lois, and mother Eunice. Now, I did that backwards, I think. 
I keep getting them backwards. Grandmother, no, I got it right. Grandmother Lois and Mother Eunice made one mistake today. I was wrong and I wasn't. What we can glean about their influence, however, we have to just take from looking at Timothy's life and inferring. We don't know much about Timothy. We don't know much about his parents. We hear very little of his father. We do have references that his father was Greek, but that's all we know about him. We don't know if he was around. We don't know if he had passed. We don't know any, anything. And certainly since we don't know anything about him, we can't make any kind of value judgment about what he was. He could have been a Christian. We just don't know. But we do have this reference by Paul of how his grandmother and mother reared him to understand the scriptures and with a deep faith. And so they were obviously uh, impactful on Timothy's life. We read other things about Timothy. We can uh, uh, infer again from scriptures that he was kind of a timid young man as Paul admonished him uh, not to be timid. And, 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 and by that extension, admonishing us not to be timid in the sharing of our faith. And we also have indications that Timothy maybe had what we used to call a weak constitution, would be a little sickly, and, and Paul gave him some instructions on that. But his faith was strong. And I think it says a lot that Paul recognized that and thought so highly of it that he took Timothy in as, as if he were his own son. He mentored him, he trained him. We believe that Timothy came to know Christ, specifically he was reared, his parents, his mother and grandmother of the Jewish faith, and they reared him in those scriptures and that, and that reverence for God. But Timothy came to know Christ on Paul's first missionary journey, and this is, during his second missionary journey, he comes back around and he gets Timothy and Timothy goes with him on his missionary journey. And we see so much about who his mother and grandmother were by looking at Timothy. These women who instilled faith and value in him must have been independent, daring woman, women. In that culture, that we don't agree with, may not agree with, it was not typical for women to be schooled in the scriptures. It was considered for men, they were to spend their time cooking, taking care of the home, but obviously these women had learned. And as I was thinking about them, I thought of the movie Yentl. I don't know if you've seen that movie, it's one of my favorite movies. It was produced and done and acted by Barbara Streisand. And it is a story of a young woman whose mother had passed away. Her dad is raising her, and she has a hunger and a thirst for knowledge. And at night when he would come in, he, she would beg him time and again to let her study the scriptures and the Torah and the other writings, the Mishnah of the Jews. And he would, he would protest and no, 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 we'll get in trouble, that's not for you. But like most daughters that have their dad twisted around their little finger, he would eventually relent. They'd draw the curtains so no nosy people could watch in. And then she would be able to sit at his knee and learn the scriptures. And that never stopped. And even after she died, she 
concocted a scheme to can be able to continue to learn. And I'll let you watch the movie. Also, because it's got Barbara Streisand and it has some great songs that uh, you'll enjoy if you've never seen the movie. But that's what life was at that time. They were not part of the synagogue and they were not allowed to go in to be taught. Uh, they had to learn it kind of vicariously through their husband or through their dad. But these ladies did that and they had learned it and they had learned it well enough to instill the value into Timothy. And when Paul came around and experienced Timothy's deep faith, he did take him under his wings. He took him on missionary journeys. And in that respect, I think these ladies also taught Timothy to be adventurous, to be willing to stretch his wings and leave home and travel. And it's not like us jumping in a car and going uh, to anywhere in our states. It was arduous. It was dangerous. It took a long, long time. But we see that Timothy gladly went with Paul. So these ladies had this strength within them, this adventurousness spirit, and they passed that on to Timothy to where he wanted to experience this and he wanted to be in ministry. And Paul at a certain place, certain time, did leave Timothy to help the churches to understand the Scriptures. And he charged Timothy to admonish them, to correct them, to teach them the right way to worship God. So Paul is seeing these attributes in Timothy that he picked up from his mother and his grandmother. Eunice and Lois were not the only two women that Paul recognized in his life. And there again, that shows us something about Paul because he specifically wrote and mentioned about other women who had influence on him and who taught him. If you remember the story of Paul, his first name was Saul, his given name was Saul. And he was a devout Jew. He had been trained by the best. He had been trained by Gamaliel. And he was very zealous for the faith, going around trying to root out the Christians and even uh, standing while Stephen is stoned and giving his uh, approval to Stephen's stoning and to Christians being crucified. But one day he was on his way to Damascus. And God had a bright, bright light shown and it blinded Paul and it, or Saul and it knocked him down. And the Lord cries out, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul said, who are you? And he said, I am the Christ. And then he had Ananias show up and lead Paul by the hand home to take care of him and to start teaching him the scriptures. In Philippians 4, 2 and 4, Paul writes, I plead with Yodia and with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Very descriptive there. They contended with Paul. That means they didn't just give him salads, or they didn't just cook him a meal, they didn't just sew up his cloak. They were there in the trenches 
preaching the Word of God, teaching about Christ, letting others know who he who Jesus was, they were engaged and active in his ministry. And Paul acknowledges they were Christians whose names are written in the book of life. In Acts 18.26, Luke, the author, acknowledges Priscilla as a woman instrumental in Paul's development. And he writes, he, Paul, began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. So here, this Jewish scholar, trained in the best synagogues, trained by the best people, of course, did not know the ways of Christ, did not know the theology of Christ. He knew all the Old Testament scriptures, he knew all the writings, but he didn't know how to apply them, and he had been applying them wrongly. And so these women, Priscilla being one, gave him instruction and trained, and he received that, and he acknowledged their role in his life as he became a Christian and as he grew. Like Paul, I can recount many women instrumental in my life. Certainly my mother and wife had this list, but there are many more. As a young pastor, I was helped, taught, and influenced by some great ladies that I enjoy remembering, and I don't know if it was an honor or, a, or, or, or not especially, but I did feel honored to be able to do their funerals. Lefamore was a great pianist who started when silent movies were being played, and she was the one that would play the organ while the silent movies going on. Charlie Stout, her sister, Ernestine Roberts, headed our WMU. Nell Legend was a slender woman who always dressed to the nines, had a great heart for God. Gigi Bacon, a friend down in London, Kentucky. Florence Deddens, Agnes Masterson, to name a few. And Agnes was really special. She was a little five-foot lady. A little, as far as attitude, she was an Italian stallion. I mean, she was hard-charging, always at church. Every Sunday, she would arrive at church early, set up the coffee, get it brewing, set out some snacks. We had a little fellowship time there, and she would always make sure it was ready to go and clean up afterwards. And if there was any kind of meal going on, Agnes was there taking care of things, and she was a, a great supporter of mine and uh, a great friend of mine, and I miss her greatly. All of these ladies have gone to be with the Lord. Agnes was part of a disciple group that we met. Uh, some of you all remember those days when we had Sunday night church, and we met, and we had a little Bible study group. About six or seven of these ladies met. And we would talk about the Bible, we would learn, we would study. We also set up a little prayer exercise. I made up little, just little note tabs with prayer requests about our church. And each week, they would put the one they had back in the pot, and then they'd draw another one. And then they committed to pray over that each, all through the week. And so they were prayer warriors, and they were studying the Word. And uh, that time sitting around the table was just a blessed time with them and their thirst to know God better. 
And I would be remiss if I didn't mention Billy Nightingale, sweet, sweet lady who uh, co-taught Sunday school with me. And it was uh, just, these people were so instrumental in my life and, and helping me to grow. And some of them helped in, in chiding me in a way. We had one, young, one lady about Sue's age called Kim, and she and Sue would sit like over here where Mark and Christy are, and I'm preaching along. I'm a young pastor, and I'm going strong. Next thing I know, I'd see them leaning over, kind of giggling to each other. And I finally learned to ask, okay, what did I say? I would have said some phrase backwards or the wrong word, and they would get giggles. And so I finally just got to where I'd get them to tell me what it was that I'd done wrong. So in lots of ways, these people influenced my life. These were strong women who held a deep faith in Jesus Christ and who practiced that faith in serving others. In every church I've served, I could run off a list for you of women with similar faith and influence. And now I can add Campbellsburg Baptist Church. In light of Mother's Day, please allow me to take a liberty and share a little bit about my mother. I do it not to elevate her over anybody else's mom, but as an example for challenges in life that some of you may have gone through or your mothers went through. My mom was reared in Stevenson, Alabama, a little mountain town in Northeast Alabama, April, August 21st, 1922. She was the first of four. And she was an intelligent young woman. She was the valedictorian of her high school. And she never stopped studying. Later, she went to Baptist Bible Institute and graduated from there with my dad. Then later in life, she went to Mobile College, got a degree. She loved learning. She always had Time Magazine and, and watched uh, 60 Minutes and all these kind of things on there. When shortly after high school, she met my father, Fred Roy Brockway, on a blind date. It stuck. They fell in love, got married August 3rd, 1941, just shy of the war. It was during that mist of World War II, and Dad entered the Navy, and he went to Great Lakes Naval Base for his basic training, and Mom was in a small apartment in Chicago, basically by herself. Of course, Dad, of course, couldn't leave the base, not in basic or very rarely. Mom was with child, and she had a child, their first child, while she was living there in Chicago. Dad was in school, but sadly, that child only lived three days. Patricia was her name. I've got a sister I expect to meet in glory one day. My mom's mom came up, and they took the train back to Stevenson and buried her in the cemetery there. Hard times that happened too often, especially back in those days, the grief that, that just occurred. And Dad couldn't be there with her because he was in basic, as I said. She gave birth to more. She had four more after that. I'm the, I'm the youngest. I'm the baby. I'm the clown. I'm the one that got away with everything. Still try to. But she continued to grow and learn, as I said, going on to these colleges. In the late 60s, it was learned that my dad was developing colon cancer. 
and he went through several times, went through several surgeries. Sadly, in 1977, he went for surgery, and the doctor opened him up. There was nothing they could do. The cancer was too far gone, so they just helped him live his life the best. He and Mom came to visit us at Christmas 1977. They went home, and on January 10th, 1978, he went home to be with the Lord. And over that time, Mom, of course, had to take care of him. There were days that were hard, days that she had to clean up after him and care for him, and she did that out of the love that they had. He was 58, she was 55. Later, she married Eldon Wood, who was 19 years older than she, and she never would tell us that when they got married. She was afraid we'd fuss at her too much, so she didn't tell us. But we were happy they had gotten married. They had many good years together, and then Eldon passed from complications of neglect from a nursing home stay. And Mom, of course, had to again take care of him and see him through those times. And then in 2012, she passed from Alzheimer's disease at the age of 89. Hard times. And like I said, many of you would have stories that you have gone through that or you know your parents or mom especially went through that or your grandmom. They were hard times, difficult days. But mom was also a lot of fun. She was a character. One time in a little town in Paxton, Florida, it was New Year's Eve, and Mom got it, kept us up and uh, had us go out and bang pots and pans with spatulas at midnight. She said that was something that used to be done, and so she'd have us out there raising a ruckus. She would take us on walks, and we would. Uh, uh, she'd get all the neighborhood kids would would go on these walks with her, and my children when they went and visited her. They loved to go on the beach walking with her. So, like I said, she embodied motherhood and womanhood, as many of you know. Hard times. She was a warrior. And thus, the title of my sermon, You Women Are God's Tender Warriors. We love your tenderness to us. We love your nurturing of us. We love your soothingness to us, helping us. Uh, and, and yet you are strong. Go through things we men could, would probably shrivel up and, and weep about. And you are just a tender warrior, and we love you for that. And so today we honor you women who are so influential in our lives, teaching us how to live, teaching us to do the things we need to survive, teaching us to get up, to, to rub three times and keep on going, and, and helping us to do all those things. You know, the fifth commandment of the Ten Commandments is honor thy father and mother. And you can read, you can interpret that commandment to, to say, be an honor to your mother and father. And so that is what we can do today. Uh, if, if We're going to take you out to eat. We're going to get you flowers, get you a card, get you some chocolate. Some way, we're going to try to show you how special you are in our life and how much you mean to us. 
But the best thing we can do for our mom, whether she's here, whether she's gone, is to be an honor to our mother and father. They weren't perfect. They didn't do everything right. You may have some axe to grind, but I assure you they were trying as best they knew how. And I bet in each and every one, there are lessons they taught or tried to teach us, depending on how hard-headed we were, of how to be a capable adult, how to be able to stand on our own two feet, how to be able to cook, how to be able to sew. My mom wanted me to learn all those things. She wasn't restricted by any sexism. I was supposed to know how to do all those things, not just hunt and fish. Mom taught me. Your mom taught you. And we can be an honor to them now and if they're gone by remembering those positive blessings, remembering those examples, remembering their urging us to be in church, to know God, to worship Him, and living a life that honors our God, but also honors our moms.